I'm gonna move this, Jackson, just so you know. I'm a bit klutzy. Um, <laughs> they put signs all around my desk at work saying like, call, don't fall, um, all these. Because I, I don't know, I mean, you know, I started a new job at CU about a year ago. And since I did that, I've fallen down like eight times. I was a meter reader for 15 years and never fell down. But <laughs> I moved to a job where I hardly move at all, and I'm a fall risk now. So uh, <laughs> it was pretty hilarious. So um, yeah, um, so yeah, like I said, I've got a real long one today because I'm not that good. So I've got to throw a lot of words at you so that... Uh, you guys will at least get your money's worth out of the sermon this morning. So uh, it was funny when I was preparing to to preach this morning. I don't know why, but it was like I was ready to throw the book at everyone. I, like I had a lot of angry sermons to preach. Like I was bringing fire and brimstone, not for any reason other than I guess I was angry. I was listening to too much Rage Against the Machine or Metallica for a few weeks or something, but I was ready to bring fire and brimstone this morning. And then God kind of got a hold of me. He's like, what is your deal, man? Um, <laughs> so I'm not angry at anyone in here, but I was ready to bring the heat this morning. So, um, so good news for you. I changed it. Um, I'm going to be a little easier on everybody. But um, let's jump in. So I've got a couple of pictures here that'll kind of illustrate our point this morning, if, uh, if we can see. Yeah. So for those of you that don't know, I have a brother, Preston, and he adopted a little boy from China. And that, <laughs> that picture, he's like five, but he's not much bigger than most two-year-olds. He's tiny. But he's trying to wear my son's shoes there. Those of you that know my son, he wears a size 14 and a half shoe and that he's trying to play basketball like my son there uh you can go to the next one brie jackson whichever one yeah look at that so that's elliot he's uh he's batman with his cousin deacon who is robin um, <laughs> funny story on that my my nephew deacon because all his cousins closest to him in age are all girls so guess what costumes they wear all the time? Princess costumes. So that was all he would put on. He'd go to my, we'd go to my mom's house, over to Nanny's house, and immediately he would put on the princess costume. So Elliot brought his Batman and Robin costumes to help make Deacon more of a boy. And Deacon only wanted to get that thing off and put the princess dress on because that's all he's used to wearing. <laughs> he didn't know how to pose as Robin. So this is uh, me over here on the far right, uh, rocking with the band. That's my brother Preston in the middle, my other brother Jonathan, for those of you that know, I'm the oldest of the three of us, although my brother Jonathan there on the left has, since he was like 16, looked like a 50-year-old attorney. So, um, and then that's a friend of mine, Kevin. We're, uh, we're, we're a rock band there. <laughs> That's me on my honeymoon. Um, I'm a, pretending to be a, a, a speeder bike driver from uh, Return of the Jedi. Any, any Star Wars fans, Return of the Jedi? Anyone? Thank you, Scott. Um, I figured since Ethan's not here and my family's not here, I'd be the only one. Can anyone guess who this might be? Yeah, that's, that's my daughter, Emerson. She's sitting right over here. When she was little, she was 
uh, imitating the Hulk there. We got Hulk hands and a Hulk mask, and she wore those things around a lot. Like every time we went over to Mamaw's, it was Hulk hands and Hulk mask, right? All right. <laughs> this is my favorite picture of anyone ever. That is Elliot, my son Elliot. <laughs> he was like two being Mr. Incredible. So now, those of you that know him, like if I was standing here and he was on the floor, he'd still be a little taller than me. Um, <laughs> with the Crocs and the weird bike hat and the mask, like that's just one of the funniest pictures I've ever seen, riding on his training wheels. I think I got one more-ish maybe. Yeah, look at those guys. That's me and my brother. So. I'm the oldest, Preston in the middle is the youngest, and Jonathan is the forgotten middle child. But we, uh, that was after my dad passed away, and for, at my dad at one point in time um, got into a cowboy hat phase. I'm not sure where that came from. I, it was when Dallas was popular, so I guess that's why, but he wore cowboy hats for a good two or three years and boots. It's too bad Joe's not here because he would he would love that. He had a cowboy hat phase, right? Does anybody remember Joe Losh and his cowboy hat phase? Anyone here? No? No one? He he wore it. But yeah, so my dad passed away and we were going through all the stuff. We're like, oh yeah, we forgot the cowboy hats. So we put on the cowboy hats in honor of my dad, trying to trying to mimic him a little bit. <laughs> my brother looking super manly feeding his baby. Uh feeding my nephew there when he's not even one. So, so um, there's a whole point to all of those. It, it, in all those pictures, we were all dressed up, acting like someone else, pretending to be someone else. So let me ask this. Who here can do an impression of someone else? Anyone? Anyone else got a good impression for us of someone or something? Anyone? Bueller? Bueller? I know John Edwards, who's not here today, apparently can do a good impression of me. I went near one someday, and he did the welcome, and apparently spot on. I don't know. Other than he's not nearly as bald as I am, but um, yeah. So, how does someone do a good impress, a good impression, or a good imitation? How, how do you do that? How does a person do that? Um, you can see from those pictures, we like to pretend, like at our house, we have dressed up. My nephews and nieces, they play a lot of dress up, a lot more than we did. We've done uh, our own version of the nativity where we all dress up as different characters. When Elliot and Emerson and the cousins were all a little younger, they would all play different characters and pretend to be Mary. And I forget who played baby Jesus. Do you remember Emerson? It, was it at all? Okay. Um, but anyways, we had fun um, dressing up. But we like doing impressions, right? A lot, we do it a lot of times. I, I don't know if you guys are like me, but when I listen to music, I like to sound, I, I sing along, number one. So if you see me in my car and I look like I'm yelling at someone, it's because I listen to a lot of angry music. That's so I don't explode on someone else, right? But it looks like I'm yelling because I'm listening to loud, fast, angry music. But I'm singing. Um, and the other thing about me is I play the drums while I'm driving, like fully no hands on the steering wheel, just driving with my knee, 
left knee so that way I can do the kick drum with my right foot because that's when you do it with and I'm playing the drum so I'm imitating the drummer I also want to make my voice sound as much like the one I'm listening to as possible even when it comes to volume like turn the music up I'll sing that much louder if you turn it down well, I'm still going to sing really loud, so I have to turn it up because quiet doesn't work. Because then I feel weird singing really loud or yelling really loud with the music quietly, so I have to turn the music up, right? But we all do these impressions, right? And so this morning, that's what we're going to look at. We're going to look at how to do our best imitation or impression of Christ. So just to give you a heads up, um, we're going to be kind of spending a lot of time in two chapters in Ephesians, but our main verse is going to be in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, but we're going to spend quite a bit of time in chapter 4, um, and then we'll spend some more time in chapter 5, but chapter uh, 5, verses 1 and 2 are going to be kind of the, the drivers for us this morning. So Ephesians 1, or sorry, Ephesians 5, 1 and 2 is where we're going to start off. Um, it's, and it says... So if you've got a paper Bible, turn there. Have your finger ready on the page before, probably. Um, I've got my cool iPad, so I, I'm just flipping. Um, all right, verse 1, chapter 5. Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So how do people do good imitations or good impressions? How do you get so, how do people get so good at those? I, I like to ask a lot of questions. You can ask the kids and the youth when I teach. I, I don't like to stand up here and talk at people. I like more like conversations. So if you were to guess, how do people who do good imitations or impressions get so good at them? Yeah. Yeah, like I do my best to sound like Dave Grohl when I'm listening to the Foo Fighters. Right, And usually about three songs in, I don't have a voice anymore because he's got this weird growl when he sings, um, and it shreds your voice, right? Yeah, spent a lot of time listening to them. Anyone else? Watching them, right? That's kind of the secret. You have to study that person or that thing. If I wanted to do a good imitation of a fire engine, I would have to know what a fire engine sounds like to do that imitation. But you have to study that person or that thing. You have to study how they walk and move and act, right? I don't know if you can tell in those pictures, we were dressed like or acting like certain people in those pictures, right? And how did we know what to dress or act like? It's because we've seen those movies, right? When we're dressed like superheroes, we've seen those movies, right? So we know what they look like. We know how they talk. Emerson and I were just joking yesterday. A lot of times when our kids ask me a question, my answer is usually, eventually, and that's from uh, The Incredibles, right? At the beginning, Mr. Incredible says, we'll catch him, eventually. So every question is, how long, will, how much longer till we get there? It's always, eventually, right? We've seen those movies. Or, or you could say, we're doing research to properly do a good imitation of those people. Right, that's what I call whenever I watch uh, my Python and the Holy Grail. I've done a lot of research on that movie, and I could imitate everyone in the entire movie from beginning to end. If you'd like, we can stop the sermon now, and I could do that. But um, right, but in order to do good imitation, you have to copy those things 
or that person, right, that you're wanting to imitate. You have to copy how they dress, how they talk, how they walk around, how they move. You know, there's some people that walk a certain way. There's some people that talk a certain way. There's some people that you can just tell by the way they're moving. Um, you know who that person is. So if you want to imitate that, I work with a guy that walks like this. So and when I come into work, sometimes I walk like Dave is his name. And he's like, you're doing an imitation. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. Dave, um, I'm just walking. Um, but you can tell down the road who Dave is. He looks like he has no knees. He's about this tall, and he waddles. He doesn't walk. Um, and so we kind of tease him about how he walks, right? Um, so in order to do a good imitation of that person, you have to copy what they You want to look and sound as much like that person as possible. You don't want to look and sound as much like yourself Right? If I wanted to imitate Charlie, I wouldn't stand up here and talk and act like me. Um, I would want to talk and act like Charlie. Um, or if I wanted to do an imitation of Emerson, I'd stand up here and what would I do, Emerson? What would you think? I'd be real happy, then be angry that you asked me to unload the dishes, right? Um, <laughs> go from a one to a 10, then back to a one in a span of three minutes, right? Um, but if I wanted to imitate someone, I'm not going to act like I always do or else I would never convince you that I was doing an impression of that person or an imitation of that person. So you have to change some things about yourself in order to do a good imitation. You have to change how you talk. You have to change how you dress. You have to change how you walk. Whatever that person is or whatever that thing is that you're trying to imitate, you have to change certain things about yourself in order to do a convincing imitation. When you hear people do Christopher Walken imitations, they don't talk like they normally do. They talk in that weird, I don't even know what you call that dialect. Uh, I don't know what you call it, that how Christopher Walken talks, but his cadence and everything and how he talks is weird. And when people do an imitation of them, they don't talk like they normally do. They talk like Christopher Walken. And what's made one of the, one of the comedians that does the best imitation of Christopher Walken doesn't, he doesn't do like imitations like from a movie, he, he, he gets deep into it and he'll do his imitations like he's Christopher Walken going to the grocery store. And it's just a regular day and he's asking people about the things in the grocery store and it's the funniest thing ever because he just throws in that Christopher Walken accent or whatever. And it's one of the funniest things ever, but it's spot on. I mean, it is spot on. Now to look at him, you would never think it was Christopher Walken because he doesn't look anything like him, but his voice sounds just like him, right? And so we, if we want to imitate someone, we have to change the way we talk. We have to change the way we dress. We have to change the way we act. We have to change things about us in order to look like that. So how do we imitate Jesus? How do we imitate Christ? That's the thing here. That's what our passage says. Be an imitation of Christ. Or uh, verse 1, it says, therefore, be imitators of Christ. How do we do that? Well, the good news is I don't have all the answers, but that's the great news. Um, but the better news is Paul's got them for us here in Ephesians, so you don't have to lean on my wisdom and, and understanding because it's very minimal compared to Paul's, and Paul's got a pretty good idea. So let's have a look um, and see what the, the list is that Paul gives us. Say, hey, here's something you might want to change about yourself if you want to look like Christ. Right? And if we're followers of Christ, that's the goal, 
right? We want to look like Christ. The whole list of do's and don'ts and all that stuff, it's not something to ruin your life. Oh, you can't have fun because uh, you're a Christian. No, they are, it's a list of things to help you look and act more like Christ, right? It's not about ruining your fun or ruining your life. It's to help you be a good imitation of Christ because that's what we're called to be as Christians. That's what Christian means, little Christ, right? So the first thing we need to do is we need to change our clothes, right? So if you go back to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22, it says to put off the old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. So there are things about us, attitudes, all that stuff. We need to change what we look like first off, right? We need to take off our old self, the stuff that used to bring us joy and pleasure. Some of those things need to change because some of those things weren't necessarily Christ-like. Some of those things corrupt through deceitful desires. And then we need to put on new clothes. Verse, if you skip down a verse to, uh, to verse 24, it says, and, put on, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So the first thing we need to do is we need to take a look at ourselves and say, man, what do I, there's some obvious things that need to change. You guys would never catch me up here in an MU shirt. I'm glad you guys are here today because you're all being indoctrinated slowly into the KU fold. Um, right? You would never catch. So if you wanted to imitate me, you wouldn't wear an MU shirt around. You would take off the MU shirt because that's what you look like. And you would put on a KU shirt. Derek's shaking his head no. Clearly, that's going to be the hardest part of doing an impression of me is putting on a KU hat and a KU shirt, right? That, I mean, everybody, you know, here's a side note. I was seeing this the other day. Everyone asks me, when they see me wearing KU stuff, did you go to school there? Like, no, I didn't go to school there. My dad went to school there. But I don't ask people when they're wearing a Chiefs shirt or a St. Louis Cardinal shirt if they played for those teams. I just assume they didn't because there's very few people that have ever done that, right? Um, just because I identify with something doesn't mean, like, I went there, right? That's just the team I'm a fan of. Anyways, that doesn't mean anything. That has nothing to do with sermon. That's a bonus for you guys. Um, right? But if you want to do a good impression of me, you have to first take off the clothes that you might want to wear. Hard as that would be to take off a Mizzou shirt or a North Carolina shirt and put on a KU shirt. Derek would never do that, so we'll count him out. He's off the list, right? But we have to, take, we have to change some of the things that we look like in order to look more like Christ, right? And so the next thing we need to do is we need to change the way we speak. Best Christopher Walken impersonations have nothing to do with how he dresses, walks, but everything to do with how he talks. Same thing with William Shatner. Am I using examples that none of the younger people have any idea who they are? Does anyone know who William Shatner is besides me? Yeah. Anyone older than me probably, or younger than me probably does not. Emerson William Shatner? Nope. Derek? You're pretty close to the same age. Esther? No. Nate? William Shatner? <laughs> William Shatner? Okay, good. He's the original, he's Captain Kirk from the original Star Wars. Like he has a... <laughs> Star Trek. I'm, a, I'm more of a Star Wars geek than a Star Wars nerd. Um, 
Yeah, Star Trek. Sorry, he's the original Captain Kirk from Star Trek. Do those that don't know who William Shatner is even know who what Star Trek is? Okay, good. Okay. But he has a funny way, the way he talks. He has this weird, like, hesitation, and he builds up, and then he, like, vomits his words out all of a sudden, right? He talks, but people don't mimic the way he walks or dresses. They mimic the way he talks. Same thing with... I'm not even trying to do a Christopher Walken because that'd be awful. But we need to change the way we speak. We need to stop speaking lies and start speaking the truth, right? Therefore, in verse 25 of chapter 4, it says, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth. Every time I touch this thing, things go away. Um, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Part of speaking the truth is not just being honest all of the time when your wife, man, if your wife's wives ask you how this looks on them, right? Um, just so you guys know, I have trained my wife. She doesn't ask me how it looks. She says, does this, which one looks better? And she'll show me like she's wearing two pair of shoes. And I always put, pick the one that looks the most comfortable, never the one that looks the best because I know... <laughs> So no matter what she's wearing, I would pick the one that, that looks comfortable. Yeah, that looks good on you because it looks comfortable, right? But part of speaking the truth is not just being honest. Yes, that is very important. We have to be honest with those around us. But part of speaking the truth is speaking God's truth, right? We have to speak God's truth to people. No matter what our society and our culture around us is speaking, they are speaking lies, Right? When you watch the news and when you look at social media, the stuff that's being fed out there is all lies about who you are and how you should look. And we need to speak God's truth into that rather than continuing that lie of how our society should be, oh, how inclusive we should be about everything, right? We need to speak God's truth into those situations, right? And so this is not the only thing, though, we need to change about how we speak, uh, jump down to verse 29. It says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to the hearers. Those in the youth know this is one of my favorite verses, Ephesians 4.29. Let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth except for that which is good to the edifying of the hearers. So it may minister grace to the hearers, right? That's one of my favorite verses, partly because it's in a really bad Christian hip-hop song um, from the mid-90s. But... What it's saying is we need to stop tearing each other down. We need to stop gossiping. In church, a lot of times, unfortunately, we use prayer requests as a form of gossip, right? We need to stop that. We need to stop gossiping, and we need to stop tearing each other down. It's okay to, to find out, oh, some, something's bothering you. I want to pray for you for that. But it's when we say, oh, man. Charlie, we go tell people, hey, Charlie's really struggling with this. You should pray for him. And then we start telling everyone, you know what Charlie's struggling with? You should pray for him about that. Like, that's gossip. <laughs> We're using the, you should pray for Charlie, because you should pray for Charlie. Um, yeah, amen. Um, but we use that in church as a form of gossip. We want to tell, oh, man, you never guess what Charlie's into. I don't know why I'm stuck on you, Charlie. Probably because you're the standout more than anybody right now. But we use that as, oh, you should pray for him, man. He's got some bad stuff going on, right? 
Yeah, I've got the list. I've been, I've been telling everybody anyway, so um, that's why I'm doing this sermon this morning because I'm trying to tell everyone I need to stop, uh, right? But we need to stop tearing each other down. That's not Christ-like speech. Jesus did not do that. He spoke the truth to people, right? And sometimes that truth was not what they wanted to hear, but he did not go around. He spoke the truth to people. He did not have some kind of confrontation with the Pharisees, then turn around to all the other people and say, let me tell you what's really going on in their heart, right? Because if Jesus knows anybody's heart, if anybody knows anybody's heart, it's Jesus. He could have been the best gossip ever. He knows what's going on in everybody's thoughts, everybody's hearts. He knows everyone's intentions, but he did not do that. He chose to use his words and use his mouth to build people up around them, around him. Right? And so we need to be encouraging to the people around us. We need to speak grace, as this says, that it may give grace to those who hear. When people hear us and we're speaking the truth to them, which may not be what they want to hear, it needs to come graciously so that it, it's not something that destroys that person, but it's something that builds them up. Right? So we need to stop furthering lies and telling lies, and we need to speak the truth, and then we need to speak grace rather than tearing people down. The third thing we need to do is we need to change how we act, right? If I want to mimic, I don't, so this is awful, but when I was a little kid, does anybody remember, I think it was Terry Fox, Terry Cox. I only remember a bad, like, after-school movie about him. He was like a marathon runner that had lost one leg, right? And so I would run up and down the street with one foot on the curb and one foot up. This is awful. I'm talking about my pre Jesus self and so that it went that way it looked like I had a limp and ran like Terry Fox or Terry so I had to change like I acted like he did right Um, if you want to act like me there's all kinds of bad examples of how I act right but we need to change how we act instead of anger and revenge, we should seek peace and forgiveness. If you jump down to Ephesians 4.31, it says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. We cannot fly off the handle in anger because that's not what Jesus did. Did Jesus get angry? Yes, and we'll talk about that here in a second. But that can't be the defining thing about our lives when people look at us and like, ah, I better walk on eggshells around that guy. He's ready to blow up all the time. His fuse is this short, and it's one of the fast fuses, right? But instead, we need to, in verse 32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted and forgiving one another, as Christ, as God in Christ forgave us. Right? We need to be forgiving first. Is it okay to be angry? <laughs> yeah. Was Jesus ever angry? Yes. But we need to, that does not need to be our first inclination, right? We need to put away anger and we need to seek peace. Is anger always wrong? No, it is not. But Paul gives us wisdom also about anger. If you look in verses 26 and verse 27, it says, Be angry and do not sin. That's our problem, right? When we get angry, we tend to lash out and do things that aren't very Christ-like sometimes. We say things about people. Then all of a sudden, our speech and our countenance changes and we start talking about people and saying things that we don't really mean. Sometimes we're saying things just to hurt someone or we might throw a punch or we might 
do this or that. But Paul says, be angry. It's okay to get angry. Jesus got angry, but do not sin. And then he goes on to say, do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Don't go to bed angry. Right? That's what he's saying. If it's something that bothers you that much that someone has done, you need to go to that person and talk to them. And they need to know how much they have hurt you. Right? But if it's something dumb like cutting you off in traffic or if it's something, you know, trust me, I, I get there a lot. My job, I deal with a lot of very dumb people in Springfield and I get angry at them all the time and then I turn around like, what was that idiot thinking? And, I, and then I get angry and I start talking about how bad they are behind their back to the people I work with, right? Because there's a lot of people that do a lot of dumb things when they're digging in Springfield. And so I get angry at them. But the point is, is I have to let that go. If it's something that does not affect my spiritual well-being, right? I have to be able to let that go, even if it comes down to something physical. Now, I'm not saying that that's easy, but the example we have is Jesus, right? When Jesus was on the cross and they had beaten him with the cat of nine tails, right? 40 times, right? probably not a lot of flesh left on Jesus' torso, right? And they shoved the crown of thorns on his head. Then they hit it on his head with their make-beliefs or with their made-up scepter. And then they pulled his hair out of his face with their hands and they spit on him and they ridiculed him. And what did he say when he was on the cross? Father, forgive them. <laughs> they don't know what they're doing. That's our example. And if we're to be imitators of Christ... That is the example of forgiveness we have to follow. We cannot be people who are defined by anger and by revenge or, oh, I'm going to get back at that person. We have to let it go and we have to seek peace and we have to forgive as God forgave us. At one point, we have done something to someone to make them angry. <laughs> I, I, trust me, I have, I know. I say and do a lot of dumb things before I think about the dumb things I say and do. And so I've made a lot of people very angry, I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure they've gone off and talked about me behind my back, right? And so we have to keep that in mind. God forgave us through Christ. So what makes us think we are better than Christ, that we can hold a grudge against someone? We have to be a people that are forgiving. And that's something that our culture needs to see desperately right now is a forgiving spirit from believers. And then... The next thing is uh, rather than theft, so part of the way we need to change the way we act is rather than theft or dishonest gain, we need to work hard and be generous with the things God has given generously to us. Verse 28, it says, Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands. Why? So that he may have something to share with anyone in need. The stuff God gives us is not ours, Right? First and foremost, it belongs to God. And God blesses us how he chooses to bless us. And he does that so we can be a blessing to those around us. Being dishonest about how we gain those material things. Um, and most of the time, most of us aren't walking into grocery stores and stealing things and stuff like that. It, it's usually a little more sly, right? And so being dishonest about how we gain our material possessions is not Christ-like. Sharing the things we have 
is very Christ-like. That is exactly what he did when he fed the multitudes with the fishes and the loaves. He had just a little bit, but he shared it. And because of, he shared it and because he was God and could do that, he was able to feed everyone, right? By the way, I'm one of those, does anybody want a rewind button when they get to heaven? Like, I want to see how that happened. Like, did he like split the fish in half and then all of a sudden it was two whole fish? Or did it just keep growing new parts when he was breaking the bread? Like, I want to know how that worked, right? I know I'm probably applying some weird dark magic to how that actually happened, but I want to know how he broke that up and fed so many people with it. I want to know what that looked like. But anyways, that's another side note. So, the, a lot of the things we need to do in the way we act, that's one of them. The next uh, thing we need to change about how we act is, uh, says, instead of promiscuity, practice self-control. And this is not just limited to sex outside of marriage. It is the things we let ourselves look at and talk about as well. So I'm going to get off on a soapbox here for a minute. Parents, if you have kids with phones, you need to check them. Um, that thing, this thing, is an open ditch to all kinds of evil and darkness that parents have, most of us have zero idea about, right? I have had to sit through so many meetings at work about how bad some of the things are that are on phones from the police department, from the FBI, from SWAT teams, about things that, that places they've raided and places they found in Springfield um, that are using smartphones to get into your kid's head. Now, is that their original intent? Not necessarily, but they're doing it. They, there are calculator apps that are designed actually as a database for storing pornography, right? So don't think that social networking apps aren't exposing your kids to all kinds of evil and danger. Um, parents with daughters, this is not just a thing for boys. Um, this is a big issue now, just as big with girls as it is with boys. I'm telling you right now, there are girls in Stratford that are giving themselves to anyone. If it's a, there's no boys around, then girls will do just fine, right? They're just as fine. So in our culture where everything seems to be okay, no matter what you want to do, everything's okay. Just do it. Sex is ruling the day in our culture, I promise you. TikTok, all those apps, it's all over all of them. And there are ways your kids can find those things that you have no clue about. So if you have kids with cell phones, check them. Check them regularly, right? Do it when they don't know, because more than likely, I know my kids, Emerson doesn't even have a cell phone, but they didn't, they didn't have enough money to pay for their own cell phone, so that cell phone does not belong to them, so we can check Elliot's cell phone whenever we want, whether he's looking at it, whether, he's, whether he knows we're looking at it, we can do that. Um, so I promise you, you need to stay on your kids about their cell phone and their social networking habits because it, it can ruin them. So back to the sermon. Promiscuity, give that up for self-control. So in verses 3 and 4 of chapter 5, which is uh, following on from our main verse, says, but se sexual immorality and all impurity and covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper for the saints. 
Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead, let there be thanksgiving. I, I don't know, there's a whole lot more I need to say. No foolish, uh, no filthy talk, no, no uh, crude joking, no filthiness, no sexual immorality or impurity or covetousness. That's not just sex outside of marriage that he's talking about there. That's a pretty long list of a, a lot of things that we in our culture are struggling with. And then in verse 15 and 16, he says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. For one, if you're wasting your time looking at those things and participating in those things, you are not making the best use of your time. When I, when I think about all the ways I've wasted my time when I could have been filling it with Scripture and with Christ-like attitudes and Christ-like actions, I, I just sit and weep. Like, what have I done? Why have I wasted the time God has given me? And then lastly, one of the things we need to change about how we act is instead of drunkenness, we need to seek spirit-filled lives. In verse 18 of chapter 5, it says, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. If anyone wants to know what debauchery is, just go to Incredible Pizza. Like, to me, that's debauchery for kids, right? <laughs> they have all, all these things that they're, that they're uh, in, their, in their, the palm of their hands, right? That's what I call that place, debauchery for kids. Um, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. So I'm not going to dive into the weeds on this one too much. I've been in too many unconstructive arguments. But I'll just tell you that I'm what is called a teetotaler. Anybody know what a teetotaler is? All right. <laughs> Good. I am a teetotaler, which means I never touch alcohol. Why? Because if I don't drink, period, then I can't get drunk. So that's the way my parents were. Um, that's the way I was raised, but you guys, you guys have seen how I act, and I'm sober all the time. I don't even want to imagine how I would act and how many lives I would destroy if I were drunk. I, I don't know what that would look like, but I can only imagine it'd be this normalness off the rails. I, I don't know. Um, maybe that's not the case. I've never found out. Um, but anyways... Um, I'm just going to leave this like it is, simply that being drunk is not a characteristic of Christ. So if I'm trying to imitate him, then I don't want to be drunk, plain and simple. I'm not going to tell you you shouldn't drink. Obviously, they drank wine in the Bible. Most of the time, the wine was better for them than the water because the water is polluted and all that fun stuff, right? But the deal with this is the same holds true with everything we've talked about this morning. I would love to stand up here and tell you that I'm a teetotaler when it comes to how I act, how I walk, how I talk, that I've never been angry at anyone, and I always forgive everyone because I'm a teetotaler. I, when it comes to anger, I've never looked at pornography because I'm a teetotaler. I would never do that. I've never done whatever these things are because I'm a teetotaler, but that would be 100% false. But when it comes to being imitators, so getting back to doing a good imi imitation or a good impression, when it comes to being an imitator, no matter how good you are at imitating that person, you're still not 
the original. We can't be perfect like Christ is perfect. We cannot be Jesus 100%. Now, we are to strive for that, right? We are to strive for that. Jesus sent his Holy Spirit so that we can get as close to Jesus as possible and look as much like Jesus as we possibly can, right? And that's the good news about Jesus is that he is invested in us being as much like him as possible. He wants us to strive to be that perfect copy. And he doesn't sit on the sides and go, well, you missed that part and you missed that part. You're almost like me, but you're never, you're not quite good enough. See where you screwed that up? I think a lot of times we think that. I know I've had times in my life where I thought, oh, dang it, I keep hitting red lights. I must have unconfessed sin. <laughs> As if Jesus is that worried about traffic, right? Um, that he wants me to be late for work, right? Um, but that's not the way he is. He's sitting by, he's encouraging us, he's building us up. He sends people in our lives to help sharpen us, to make us more like him, to help us grow closer to him. We have his word to look at. So we know exactly how Jesus walked and talked and acted. We know exactly how he treated people who were less than them. We know exactly how he treated people who were greater than them, than him socially or, or cult, in his culture. We know exactly how he talked to people. We know where he went. We know the people he spent time with. We know all of that. And so he has given us everything we could possibly need to be as much like him as possible. And so he wants us, he does not want us to get it wrong. He is gracious and forgiving just the way we are supposed to be. He loves us and he wants to encourage us. But the deal is we can't just come to church and hear a sermon and then walk away and think, oh, that's great because James... Chapter 1, verse 22 and 24 says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Don't fool yourselves by thinking that because you came to church today and you heard God's word, that everything's good. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Right? Don't fool yourselves thinking that you went to church and you heard God's word, and so that's it. That's good enough. Unfortunately, we've gone through Ephesians chapters 4 and 5, or at least the last part of 4 and the first part of 5, and Paul has spelled out pretty plainly what we need to do to be imitators of Christ. Right? But like I said, just like any other imitation, you can't do a good imitation if you don't know the one you're trying to imitate. If you don't know Christ, you're not going to know how to do a good imitation of him. If I had never heard of, I'm just going to stick with the Christopher Walken theme, I couldn't do an imitation of William Shatner. I don't know, maybe you guys know more who he is. But if I had never seen Star Trek or any other movies or heard him talk or seen him walk, I couldn't do an imitation of him. And the same goes for Christ. If I do not know Christ, I can't do an imitation of him can't live my life looking like Christ. I can't have a life defined by forgiveness and grace and mercy and gentleness. My life is going to be a wreck and no matter how hard I try, I'm not going to get it right. So the important thing is for you to know the one you're trying to imitate. And he is a good God. Jesus is a good God. 
like I said, he does not want what is bad for us. Scripture tells us that all, every good and perfect gift comes from God above. And that's what he wants for us. He does not want anyone to perish, but that all be saved. So I'm going to ask Jackson to come up this morning. If, if you don't know who Jesus is, let today be the day. He is a good God and he loves you. And he has given his life for you so that you could know him. He wanted to know you so badly. <laughs> he left the most perfect place you can ever imagine. More perfect than that. To come here and then be punished for your sins so that you could be, have a right relationship with him. But then that punishment didn't beat him. He rose from the grave because he loves us so much, not even death could keep him away from us. And so this morning, I want to make sure you have every opportunity. I'm going to ask Jackson to play, and I'm going to be standing down front. If you don't know Jesus, let today be the day that you come to know him. I'm going to close, close this in prayer and ask Jackson to play. God, thank you so much for for who you are. Thank you for being such a good God. God, I, good is not even the right word for what you are, Father. Thank you for loving us so perfectly, God. Thank you for always having what is best for us, God. We are broken people, God, and we do not deserve what you did for us, but God, but you gave it to us anyways. We thank you so much for that. God, help us to be a good imitation of you. Help us to see that when we wake up in the morning, God. That I want to imitate you when I go to work today. I want to imitate you when I go to school today. Because I want those around me to see how good of a God you are. So that they can imitate you. Stand and fully come to know who you are. God, we ask all these things in your name.